And Jeremiah's fire. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Paved with gold Lifted some stones Saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't watch the television show uh, on television, have them go to www.hotm.tv, and they can watch streaming video anywhere in the world. They just go on our website, click on streaming, and they can watch it from there. I was a born-again Mormon. We recently made it available through a manuscript download. You just go on the same site, click a download PDF, and you will get uh, I Was a Born Again Mormon right there in your hands for free. If you want to make a donation for it, that's fine too, but we want to get it out to people who are interested in reading it. This weekend, Saturday, September 5th, finally, it's our fourth annual, terrible drum roll, uh, Burning Heart uh, 2009, the Big Tent Revival, Sugar House Park from 5 to 8 p.m. We really hope you will join us. Uh, there's going to be food, uh, fellowship, great fun, an opportunity to receive what Jesus came to uh, give. It'll change your life forever if you allow him in and, and receive what he has to offer. Now, we're going to begin about 5 p.m. and meet and greet. Subway sandwiches will be available along with other food. Bring your own if you'd like. Slides for the kids, ministry booths. Then around 6, 6.15, I don't know, we're going to head inside the big tent. We're going to hear a great local band, Jeremiah's Fire, from, from and some testimonies. We have a very rowdy audience tonight, and there's a reason for that. And some testimonies, and then we're going to hear from Adams Road. They, they never do that for me, ever. Uh, we're here from Adams Road, and they And uh, Adams Road is really good. So, uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, they're here with us in studio tonight, so we're gonna, it's going to be a great show. You're going to hear from these uh, handsome young men. Uh, in word and song, and so we're going to get to them in just a minute. So, and then we're going to have a, a message and uh, a worship, and then we're going to have open water baptism, just like they did at the day of Pentecost. Uh, like Peter said, hey, what's stopping you? We'll have a pool there, and if you want to uh, be baptized right there as a public profession of Jesus in your, in your life, as your Lord and King, we will uh, do that. Join us Saturday evening, Sugar House Park, 5 to 8 p.m., Big Tent Revival. Go to www.hotm.tv for more information. We want to thank each and every one of you for your emails, your stories, your testimonies. You're passing along the insights you have had in your lives from being LDS or being a Christian. We greatly appreciate it. We are, of course, behind on answering our emails, but we are adding a staff member soon who is going to help us out with that. Additionally, uh, we recognize 
so many things that so many of you do behind the scenes without any notice and we're grateful for it. So your letters, your financial support, your prayers, you're sharing this ministry with other people. It keeps the ministry alive and we thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts uh, what, how you're letting the Lord use you in whatever way that is. Okay, it's very important for us here at Aletheia Ministries to remain uh, open to people and accepting uh, who are different than us. Now, obviously we argue doctrine and we, we argue uh, the practice of different things, but we will, um, we will allow people to express their honest communications about their faith with us despite our differences. We believe it's our duties as Christians to love people no matter what. When Jesus was about to be taken from the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, impetuous Peter at the time, drew his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, to which Jesus said, uh, put away your sword. And then he picked up the ear and he healed it. Somehow, in the fanatic minds of some Christians today, there remains the delusion that Jesus needs to be defended with the sword, if not their own in their hands, then with their own mouths. And we believe that it's our duty to love people. Now, often our ministry methods are misinterpreted from, uh, or mis misunderstood. From the Christian side, the fanatics want ideological, and it seems like sometimes even literal bloodshed, and then from the LDS side, they attack us saying that we uh, hate, that we just hate them. And I just want you to know, uh, we don't hate. Uh, we do what we do because we care and love you. And I know that's what our guests tonight are about, but I just want to reemphasize that. So just to make our position clear. All right, one more thing. We frequently get emails from people who uh, are LDS and have come out of Mormonism because they have come to know who Jesus is by faith and, um, and they've established, uh, received a real relationship with him. Well, I received an email yesterday from an LDS family member of a man who I am going to call Sam. And uh, I'm acquainted with Sam. I've met him and I know he's LDS and he has been born again and he's coming to see what Mormonism is about. Well, this is what the email that his relative sent me said. Quote, you must be so proud Sam is one of your new converts that you've taken away from the, L the corrupt LDS church. He is losing his wife, his kids, his family, and friends in the process. Sounds exactly like what, what Christ would want him to do. Your corrupt organization will be held accountable one day for tearing apart families. Unbelievable how you can harbor so much animosity and hatred for a religion that helps so many. Congratulations on your new toy, Sam, from Draper. Well, before we go to our uh, break and then bring uh, on our guests, I want to say a couple things about that email. First and foremost, God himself changed Sam's heart, gave him eyes to see and ears to hear, not us. And uh, he is not one of our converts. He is a member of the body of Christ that has nothing to do with us at all. So let's make that first clear to this writer of this email. Secondly, and this is really important, Sam is losing his wife and kids and friends and family because Mormonism causes that. Mormonism says when you leave and say, I'm a Christian, they turn on you. So you say this religion, which is so wonderful and does so much to help everybody, this religion has taken Sam, who is a man who I know, who loves the Lord and is patient with the LDS. You have come and said, look what uh, you are, have done. You have made a man lose his family and his friends and his children and his wife. You have done that. Your religion has done that. Do you understand that? That a true believer in Jesus Christ like Sam would never want to leave his wife and children. He would, with long suffering and patience and love, stay with them and help them come to know the true and living Jesus. And you would never find a pastor of a Christian church say to a man who came to know the Lord, all right, you've known the Lord, leave your family, but you will in the Mormon church. How do I know? Because that's what they told my wife to do. When her husband went south and found Jesus and became a Jesus freak, they took her, sat her down and said, divorce him. Because with Mormonism, Mormonism over everything, over family, over marriage, over children, everything. 
With Jesus, yes, he did say that this would happen, that people will, he will divide families. We know that. But he didn't say this was his will. He said, this is going to be a natural result when I come into lives. Families will split. And you're seeing this firsthand from what Mormonism uh, teaches. So just wanted to cover that. We are going to go to a spot right now. Talk about the Partners Program. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls and talk to Adams Road. Hi, I'm Sean McCraney with Aletheia Ministry, producer of Heart of the Matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries' long-term sustainability without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there, ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us 1-888-868-4686. All prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. We're back with Adam's let me, let me have the privilege of introducing these young men. They are, I tell you, every time I hear them, uh, I am touched. Emotionally, yes, because their music is emotional and we are human and that is, but I'm also touched spiritually by their lyrics, by their, the way they sing, the, their heart, but mostly about their testimonies and how the Lord has changed their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Micah sitting here next to me uh, and that next to him we have Joseph, we have Jay, we have Steve, and we have Matt and the five of them uh, make up the band Adam's Road. We're going to be... <laughs> We're going to begin with a prayer like we always do, but please don't say in the prayer or else we could have a disaster. Go ahead, uh, uh, Joseph. Dear Lord, uh, we just invite your spirit to be with us tonight, um, and we just pray that you know we can say the things that you want us to say and that we can reach out to um, the Mormon people because we love them and we have a heart for them and we want them to come to know your son, Jesus, as, as we did. And um, so just help us you know, uh, just express ourselves the way you want us to and, and to share your word and let, let not our words, um, you know, mean anything, but, but only your word and, and that we can just shine as a light of Jesus to them. Um, and this is our prayer, God, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So those of you who don't know uh, uh, this band, um, we're going, I want Micah, who's sitting next to me, I'm going to ask him to kind of share the story in a nutshell about a, a minute, just give you a synopsis of how they came together. We've done another show where they're on it, and then we're going to get into some other things about what they're doing, their music, and where they are right now. So why don't you just give us a quick rundown of how you came together, who you are. Sure. Um, we're Adams Road. Um, <laughs> okay. One thing to say. Um, I guess our journey started, uh, for me personally, it was when I was a, a missionary for the Mormon Church when I was in Florida. Um, it, was, it was during that time that, uh, that God opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel, and I read the Bible for the first time. Uh, he washed me clean with the Word of God, and I became saved uh, by the grace of Jesus Christ. And um, everybody in the band, all five of us, have our own testimonies of how you know, God reached into our hearts, changed us. From, from a gospel that taught us that we had to, to work for our salvation to a gospel where, where Jesus Christ and His blood were all that we needed to be saved and there was nothing that we could do um, that, that would make us worthy of the gift of salvation. And so, you know, as Adams Road, what, what we do and what, what our ministry is is to reach out to those people who are in darkness like we once were and to help them come to know that it is the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ that saves us through our faith and our faith alone and not through the works that we do. And so... We're here in Utah just uh, ministering and sharing the gospel like we do all over the country. So. All right. Excellent. Uh, let me ask you, Joseph, uh, if you could respond to this. Um, your music is the Bible. Your, all your lyrics are the Bible put to music. Can you tell us about right. what, how, why you've decided to do that, 
what the process is and, uh, and just kind of share with the audience what that means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um, we, you know, we just, we try to put it all to the, uh, or the Bible to music because, you know, the Bible is what changed our lives. Um, and, you know, personally, me, when I was a missionary for the Mormon Church, um, it was reading the Bible, reading the New Testament, um, especially the words of Jesus um, uh, for the first time. And, and um, that's what affected my life. That's what changed me. That's what brought me from darkness to light. And so because of that, you know, we, we don't think that there's any words that we can say that can affect anybody um, in comparison to God's word and what he has already written. And so we put that to music because, you know, we feel like, you know, uh, you know sure we have, you know, melodies and, and music and stuff, you know, um, but, but, the, but the lyrics are the most important thing. And when somebody, you know, gets a, a song stuck in their head, then, you know, they're actually getting scripture stuck in their head. And hopefully it's going, you know, into their lives and they're applying it into their lives. So, but we make sure we have like a really um, a, a strict um, a process that, that each song goes through before we even record it, where we, we all look at the lyrics and make sure that they're all biblical. And if any of us have a problem with it, we, you know, we address it and, and um, make sure that everything is 100% biblical. So, because that's the most important thing. So, and, you know, that is really beautiful because it is the Word of God that, I mean, how can you know the truth unless the Word is preached? And how, the, how will the Word be preached unless there's preachers? And so they are really preachers through song. It is, it's a beautiful thing. On the side of their bus, they have a, a, a tra well, not even a bus, it's a traveling bus. <laughs> and uh, on the traveling bus, they have a, a sign that says, Band of Prophets, I think, Tour. Uh, Steve, tell us about what that means. What is Band of Prophets? Are you guys Band of Prophets? Well, you know, we're, to clarify on that, we're not a band of, of Old Testament prophets and that understanding of the word. Um, you know, but in, in Revelations 19, it says that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And in that same way, in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about how uh, prophets, when they prophesy in the New Testament church, two or three should gather together, prophesy, and those who are there with them should weigh what is said and test it by the word of God and make sure that it's, it's you know, lines up with the word already given. And in that same way, every one of our songs, that's exactly what we try to do. We, we take the word, we study it, we read it, we compare with what everyone else has studied, and, and we, we put it together. And that's, that's the true spirit of prophecy. Like, like Joseph said, you know, all of our ministry is about witnessing of Jesus Christ, and that is the spirit of prophecy. So, And their music uh, certainly, um, certainly does uh, witness to Jesus Christ. Now, didn't you speak, uh, uh, Micah, at your Zone conference? And just tell us this amazing story. This, you're on your mission, and Latter-day Saints, these guys, look at them. I know you look at me and you think one thing, but look at these guys. <laughs> I mean, come on. They came out from the Bible. I want you to tell your story about what happened, Micah, at that Zone conference, and then who was there, uh, and then how it kind of spread quickly. Yeah, well, um, what happened with me, you know, over the two years that I was on, on my, my LDS mission, um, a Baptist minister challenged me to read the Bible. And over those two years, I began to read the Bible. But the thing that was amazing is the, the Bible, when I read the Bible, the gospel that I read and the gospel that Jesus Christ and apostles taught was not the gospel that I knew and that I had been taught my entire life. And, and that's what was so amazing because, you know, people always ask me, well, what was the anti-Mormon uh, literature that, that somebody handed you or, or who told you, you know, um, facts about the history of the church that made you lose your faith in the church? And it was absolutely nothing like that. It was, it was simply and completely the Word of God um, that, that changed my life. And when I read you know, that we are saved by grace and not by works. You know, when I read that Jesus Christ is the living waters and whoever drinks of that water will never thirst again. You know, when I read that, uh, you know, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that if we believe in him, that we will be saved. And, and, and when that happened to me, it, it completely changed my life and I was washed clean um, by the word of God. And so this happened over this two-year course of my mission. I get to the very end of my mission, and by this point, you know, I'm a Christian in my heart. I've accepted Jesus Christ. Um, I, I've, I've come to know Him as my Savior, as my personal Savior. And um, it, it's uh, in, the, in the, the mission they call it a zone conference, which is like when all the missionaries get gathered. And so uh, this is my final zone conference. And one of the things in the mission is when, you're, when it's your final zone conference, you get, a, a get up and bear your testimony um, about, uh, about the church. 
And um, the, the funny thing about it is my mission president at this time had gotten up and for two hours he had, he had uh, given us a training about the five pillars of a true testimony. And they were uh, Joseph Smith is a true prophet. Uh, the living prophet, you know, today speaks for God. The Mormon church is the one and only true living church upon the face of the earth. The Book of Mormon is the word of God and Jesus Christ is a savior. Those were the five pillars of a true testimony. And uh, if you didn't have all five of those pillars, then you were not built on a solid foundation. And one of the things that he said, and he knew of the change that had happened in my life, and he looked me in the eyes in the audience, and he said, a testimony of Jesus is not enough. And, um, and by this point, you know, becoming a Christian, accepting Jesus, uh, knowing that the Bible was his only true and infallible word, I knew that that wasn't true. I knew that Jesus was everything we needed. He was enough. He was the only thing we needed. And, uh, you know, I had cast away all those four other pillars because I knew that Jesus was everything that I needed to be saved. And so, uh, being my final zone conference, I get my opportunity to go up there after my mission president talks about the five pillars of a true testimony. And I go up there and I bear my testimony of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone about how he is the rock. And if we build on the foundation that is Jesus Christ, um, that, that we can never be shaken and that Jesus Christ was all I needed, that his grace and his blood had covered me completely, and I had faith in him, and because of that faith, I would be saved, not by anything that I did, but by what everything that Jesus did when he hung on the cross and shed his blood for us. And so um, uh, Joseph actually uh, was in the audience at the time, and, and uh, he and I had become really good friends by this point in our mission, and we had been reading the Bible together, and uh, so he, he's going to kind of tell the story from his perspective, I guess. Yeah, well, like you said, you know, I was in the audience and, um, you know, I, I, I had respected um, Micah, you know, throughout all my entire mission, uh, along with lots of missionaries, too. Um, you know, he was very well respected. And, and, you know, when he started changing and becoming Christian and, and focusing on love and service and Jesus, you know, it, it was something that really rung, uh, rang true to me. And especially as I had begun to read the New Testament, as Micah showed me. And so... Um, so he, he got up there and he, you know, just he stood for Jesus alone and said that, that he believed in Jesus and that was it and that's all he testified of. And it really hit me, especially um, one question that he asked and he, and he told us all to ask ourselves in the audience. And he said, don't you think that when Jesus was on the cross that he looked into your eyes and he saw your face and he said that I love you and I would die for you so that you could live. And I had never um, even thought about that before and, and it hit me so hard that I wrote it down, but I didn't quite understand what it meant. And, um, and so, uh, but I knew it was gonna be significant at some time in my life. And so, um, at that point, um, you know, I looked around the audience and everybody um, that, I looked at, that I looked at, they were crying and, and I was very emotional. And so we, we wrote this next song um, from that uh, question that he asked us. And, um, you know, it just encouraged you, the, the viewers, you know, to just imagine Jesus on the cross and speaking to you personally and saying that I love you and I would die for you. And all, you know, you burly men out there, you know, don't be afraid to show emotion because Jesus died for us. And, and you know, he knows that how important it is to us. And so we're going to play this song called I Would Die For You. Grab, grab these guitars here. <clears throat>
Hard to add anything to that, but um, we have a question on the monitor from someone, and so we'll just jump right into that one. Why are Adams Road wearing ties? Anybody want to field that one? Uh, I'll, I'll field it. All you right. Know, we we kind of had a discussion when we were first um, starting out in the ministry, which was, you know, what can we wear at, at any church, you know, that, that people will be comfortable with? Because, you know, there's some churches that are a little more legalistic and, and prefer something a little more dressy for Sunday. And there's other churches that, you know, just don't care and, and whatever is clever just goes, you know. So we figured, well, we'll kind of go semi-casual. And uh, it's funny because we've gotten, you know, people asking if we're making a, a subtle dig at, uh, at Mormon missionaries. And we're not. It's not intended. Although, you know, a lot of these are mission ties, you know. But, uh, you, know you can but, tell. You know, 
<laughs> yeah. oh, I like him. Hey, uh, we're going to kind of do things a little bit out of order here. We have Joe from Clinton, and he's LDS. And uh, I want to put him through. Joe, you're on the air. What question do you have? Hi, Joe. Uh, hi, Sean. Uh, real quick, uh, great band you got on. Those guys are pretty talented and respectable. Uh, Sean, I just really wanted to quickly tell you that I'm an LDS person, and I've read a lot of Born Again Mormon book. And just want to make two observations, and then just uh, get your analysis on something real quick. Okay. Uh, some of the things that you know your messages helped me with um, from Born Again Mormon and from your teachings, you know, are being more accepting of other people, no matter where they come from in life. And so I can appreciate that, and also focusing more more on Jesus Christ, um, which once again I can respect. And uh, both of these are also doctrines of the Mormon Church, uh, but I think that us as members can focus on those more as well. Um, one of the, the things I've noticed, I guess, from um, Born Again Mormon is that I guess one of the main issues it seems like you have uh, with Mormon doctrine is the faith, faith versus works doctrine. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people um, make a false pretense with that argument, meaning it's either grace or faith that saves us, and that's completely false. It's both. It's both grace and works that save us. So oh. there's no human being on the earth that can ever by his work save himself. We need the grace of Christ, but we still need to do, you know, all, all that we can do to, to receive his grace. And uh, that's kind of make basically my main point. Okay. This is, this is also a biblical principle. It's, it's scattered throughout uh, the entire New Testament mm -hmm. that uh, works are, are very important uh, to salvation. To salvation? And, uh, yeah. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to continue on with Adam's door, but I'm going to answer your... <laughs> I'm going to answer uh, your question, and we're going to talk about that, but I appreciate it, Joe. Thanks so much. Okay, hey, Sean, just one really, really quick point I want everybody just to, uh, just, just to think about is if you read James chapter 2, there's no refuting it. It's in, the, it's in God's Word. <laughs> if you argue against the doctrine, you're arguing against the Bible. So oh, okay. All right, Joe, thank you. Uh, I had to cut that off just because James is a great book. You read it in context. What he said is absolutely false. Uh, Paul makes it very clear. If you're uh, saved by grace, it can't be of works. Otherwise, grace is not grace. He says that. And he says if it's works, then it can't be grace. Otherwise, works wouldn't be works. It's an either or. Joe is absolutely categorically blind to what the Bible says. Now, he's convincing and he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. You got to remember James is... You know, yes, you are going to put your life into Jesus, just like these guys have done. You put your life into the service of Christ when he's become your savior, but he's got to become your savior, and that's how you're saved. It's by that. Then the works follow, but we'll talk about that because I have a question for these, these gentlemen, and they're going to do another song. The question I have is, what is the thing in your mind that the LDS church is so errant on? And I'm going to begin by telling you mine. When I was a kid and they used to tell a story in the, in the Sunday school and it was from the LDS manual and it would be, there was this boy who wanted to leave California and come to Utah. And so his dad said, well, son, I, I'll, I'll help you get there, but you're going to have to pay your way back. And so the, the dad bought him a plane ticket and he got there and he went, came to Utah and he worked. And, but the first thing he did with his paycheck was he bought a plane ticket back because he really loved his home and family. But he, his dad helped him get to Utah but then he had to work to get himself back. And then they taught me when I was a kid, so that's how it is with you too. Heavenly Father paid your way to come down here to earth and he gave you life, but you have to earn your way to get back. One of the things that irritates me most about Mormon doctrine is exactly what Joe exemplified here, that it is a two-way thing, that it's God giving you grace, but you have to do things in order to get back. That is not biblical. Jesus is not enough under that, uh, under that premise. And what happens is, and this is really sly, and then we're going to go to these gentlemen, but what happens is you focus on uh, uh, your works, and let's say you really try to do everything right, and let's say you really do it well, and, you, and you're doing everything right, and you really get yourself to a state. What always comes in in the life of a human being is then pride. And God knew that. And so he provided a way where we could not have pride. He hates pride. And that way would be to give yourself completely to his son, which he came and sacrificed. Joe's salvation, soteriology, is based on something that ends in human pride. That's what irritates me most. Gentlemen, how about you? Um, 
I would say I'll just keep this short. Um, the, the scripture that says where Jesus is talking, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And, and the thing, you know, like we're talking about, like the song was about, you know, personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and everything that happened to me on my mission and everything that the church says you have to believe in, Jesus Christ is the only way, He's the only truth, He's the only life, and He's the only way that we can return to the Father. And, and, you know, the church takes so many things uh, and, and adds that on top of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is just a part of that. Um, but but that's, that's not the way it is. Jesus Christ is everything we need to be saved. And everything that he did saves us. And so, uh, you know, that, that is one of the main things to me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there's no other way. There's no other person. There's no other man. There's no other church, no other anything that can save us but Jesus Christ. If we have faith in him, then we will be saved. Praise God. That's absolutely right, Micah. Um, you know, the LDS church was a stumbling block for me, big time stumbling block for me, um, being able to uh, find that um, relationship with Jesus Christ and also to um, receive... Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and accept that it was by grace that I was saved through faith. Um, and one of the things I think Paul here in Romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, he's talking about the Jews, but I think it applies very well to the Mormons as well. And he says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Um, for me, I thought that the LDS mode of religiosity was the righteousness that was going to get me into heaven. But I was absolutely wrong. Um, I learned in Ephesians chapter 2, for example, verse 15, that Jesus Christ abolished the law of ordinances and commandments, that he did this um, through the cross. And um, yet I was following a law of uh, commandments and ordinances that a man had established named Joseph Smith. And I thought that was my uh, ticket to heaven. I thought that was the righteousness that was going to uh, save me. But I came to learn how to submit myself to God's righteousness and to rely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not on my own. And when that happened, I'll tell you what, God... Um, I was born again, um, and my relationship with Jesus Christ, my personal relationship has exploded. It's been amazing. And when you're able to just lay it down and admit that Jesus Christ did it all for us and that we're just sinners, then, then God in turn um, gives us so much more. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, my, kind of my, my point that I had thought about is that, you know, um, that you know the the LDS Church really stresses the need for a high priest, an earthly high priest, and you know reading the Book of Hebrews as a Christian, I'd read it as a Mormon and I had missed such basic principles. I was shocked at myself because I always considered myself you know this great scholar of the Scriptures and everything, but I was so blind to what was in there that when when you know Paul is teaching the Hebrews about Christ, he says we have one high priest who is perfect, who has suffered all things, who is is able to sympathize with us, and we don't need any other high priest. And it's it's all throughout that book, um, in in Hebrews four, um, he says in in uh, verse. 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, you know, there's no need for a man between us and Jesus. You know, there's no need for a bishop, for an apostle, for a prophet between us and Jesus. You know, God gave us apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, as he says, to guide us towards Jesus. But they don't stand between us and Jesus. You know, they're, they're guideposts to point us towards the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the only thing that can save us. Um, well, one of the things that I uh, think the church is most uh, errant in is, is the, the fact they put something in between us and a relationship with Christ, and uh, that's the priesthood. Um, and uh, just since we've been out in, in Utah for the last week, I've been studying the, the priesthood a lot um, because I was actually convert to the church, and during my time in, in the, the Mormon church, I was a member for about four years, and um, I didn't really understand the priesthood, you know, the Melchizedek priesthood, 
Um, but any questions that I would come up with about high priests and priests and things, you know, I, 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 would, I would fail to actually go and research them and try to uncover the truth about, about these, these matters. And, you know, I didn't even know in the, the, the fact that the, the, the Malchizedek priesthood is the priesthood that is held by Christ and Christ alone, which is one of the, the simplest principles of the new, the new and everlasting covenant. And throughout the entire Bible, you know, I mean, this priesthood, um, idea of priesthood is so, so important. Um, uh, when Christ goes before Caiaphas, and Caiaphas, the high priest, rends his, his garments, and this shows that the priesthood is, is, is you know, is uh, fulfilled at that point. And then, um, and then later in Acts, it, it shows the priesthood is still, um, it, it's, it's still working on earth. But um, but Paul actually defames the priest, uh, the high the high priest, and uh, Annas, I believe his name, and he says, um, and he says, oh, I didn't even realize that you were the high priest. I mean, and this is Paul. He's he was a he he, he was a Jewish priest himself, I believe, and, and he 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 knew the high priest, but he he disrespects him, showing that this priesthood is just falling apart because um, um, because it has been fulfilled in Christ. Um, and this, this priesthood is now a priesthood that is only held by, by people who are Christians that believe in Christ completely. And it says in Peter, in, um, in 1 Peter um, 2, and beginning at 4, it talks about how we become priests. Um, well, it doesn't actually say we become priests, but it implies it, saying we, we are living stones, just like Christ was a stone that was taken apart, and it becomes the, the foundation of our existence, and and that we now um, are spiritual sacrifices, and there, there were spiritual sacrifices acceptable before God, and this is how we become a part of that Melchizedek priesthood, which is held only by Christ. He is our He is our one and only High Priest, and um, and so we hold that priesthood along with Him by becoming like Him by becoming spiritual sacrifices, just like he sacrificed himself for all of us. And um, I actually was a drug addict and alcoholic. I think another thing that the church um, completely discounts is the whole idea that we are all sinners. Um, it says here in, in 1 Peter also that, but you are a cho chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and, you know, we are all sinners. That, that's what it says. Um, we are not born into a priesthood like the church would, you know, a covenant like, we would, like the, the LDS church would lead us to believe. We are only um, allowed to be brought into that marvelous light when we realize we are sinners and we fall upon the grace of Jesus Christ. Joseph. Right. Yeah, well, uh, really quickly, you know, the, the thing that really strikes me is, um, is in Matthew 23 when Jesus, he, he gives the seven woes to the Pharisees. And the first one, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And um, the way they do that is they say, this, this is the, the way to salvation. Um, just like you know, that caller, Joe, you know, he said that we're saved by grace, but we have to do all we can in order to, to accept, uh, you know, to get that grace. And, you know, that comes from 2 Nephi 25.3, where, where it says, you know, we know that we're saved by grace after all we can do. But, but the Bible teaches a completely different thing, like Sean said, you know, um, and one example is Acts 15.11. Uh, it says, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. I mean, it's pretty simple. So, you know, the way that they shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces is that they say this is the way to salvation, that you have to, you know, this laundry list of things. You have to get your, yourself ready for baptism. You have to get the priesthood. Then you have to go to the temple. Then you have to keep going to the temple and do all your endless genealogies and, you know, all this temple work and stuff for your dead relatives and, and dead everybody else. And then, even then, you still don't know if you've done all you can. And, you know, I asked the viewers, you know, how do you know when you've done all you can do? You know, how, how do you know, like, if you pay, you know, $10 for tithing, you could have paid 15 You know, you could have read the Book of Mormon an hour longer. I mean, how can you ever know if you've done all you can do? And me, as when I was a Mormon, 
that was so hard for me to, to accept because I felt like I could never, ever do all I could. And, and that's the point that Jesus was making, that, that you know, the Pharisees, they set a, an impossible standard for salvation. They can't enter it, and they don't let anybody else in either. And so, you know, that, that is where the harm in, in the Mormon church is, I think, you know, uh, one of the big harms because they don't let anybody in. And I, I feel a song coming on. I feel, <laughs> I feel a song coming on too, but we're going to take, we have uh, Josh, Paul, Beth, and Kevin been waiting a long time. We're going to take them really quick, and I want you to sing this. This song is awesome, but we're going to take it really quickly. Let's go to uh, Josh, and I'm going to be fast with the callers tonight. Josh, you're on Heart of the Matter. Quickly, what's your question or comment? Uh, hey, Sean. Um, listen, I have a Mormon girlfriend who's been questioning her faith for quite a while now. Um... Now, her family, we've been dating for about five months, and two big voices in her family, her oldest sister and her stepmother, have been combating us for the past five months, tooth and nail all the way. Any advice you have? Are you a Christian? Yes, sir, I am. Has she been to church with you? Uh, yes, we have gone to a Nazarene church once. Uh, well, keep taking her and keep reading the Word with her. And, uh, and stay in prayer and, uh, and just keep, it's just going to be you trusting the Lord and stay in prayer and stay in the word and take her to church. And in time, she will see the difference as the Lord leads. Best advice I have, my brother. Thanks so much for the call. We're going to uh, Kevin in Florida. Kevin, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing? I, uh, I'm going to try to be real quick. Um, I would like you to go to a Psalm 82.6. Um, it says, I declare... God, so you may be offspring of the Most High. Now, if you look at that as a singular verse, you could say, wow, you know, that means we could be God, because I've right. someone told me that to me. But what it actually means is that in this particular verse is one of the only times in the Bible where Most High does not uh, come, to, it doesn't mean God, it means Eli, which was a high God of the Canaanites, which God was speaking to at the time. Yeah, well, I also look at the gods as being a lowercase g from the King James and the, it being Elohim, which is just a general title for God. So I never would have read that as being applicable, the LDS being able to use it officially. But, but Kevin, it's a... Do it, though. I, I've heard him use it say, well, it's just your gods, though you may be. Yeah. So they say, look, you could be a god. Yeah. What it's saying is that, and then the very next line, it says, ye are like any mortal shall die and like any prince shall fall. Oh, so it's yeah. not saying... You shall be a god. Right. It's saying you think you're gods, but now you're like mere mortals. Excellent call, Kevin. Thanks so much. We're going to Beth in Taylorsville. Beth, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, Sean. Hello, Beth. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm a Christian. I was at LDS for many many years, but I really didn't believe in it. Uh -huh. I only went because we could go to the movies afternoon if we went to church. Um, Committed from the start, were you? <laughs> um, I can't quite hear you. Let me turn this off. <laughs> Beautiful. The yeah. night we need the callers to be on their game. They are... Uh... Beth? Yes. All right. We got to hurry, my sister. Anything? Okay. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, in the Bible, it says there is no marriage in heaven. Neither do they marry, is that right? That's right. Uh, what do the Mormons think about that? I mean, when they talk about... I left the church uh, when I saw the uh, movie The Godmakers. Yeah. They don't, I, I, they don't really care what it says, to tell you the truth. Uh -huh. And they justify it by saying it means that after you're dead, there will be no marriages performed in heaven. That's how they justify it. But honestly, they don't care. They have their own things. Joseph said, and they believe it more. Be really good call. Thank you, Beth. I got to let you go. We're going to Paul in Michigan. Really quickly, Paul, what's up? Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I just wanted to uh, ask Micah about reading the Bible. Um, it's my understanding that Mormons are discouraged in believing every word of the Bible as it can't be as trustworthy as the other three books. So if you could just comment on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the way I was raised was to not believe in the Bible, but, you know, that's one of the amazing things that God did with my heart, you know, is because, you know, I, I went to the Bible basically uh, as confirmation for what I believed. You know, I went to the Bible seeking confirmation for what I believed, basically to prove the Christian world wrong. Uh, and in believing the Bible, you know, God 
open my heart and open my eyes to the truth of the gospel because there are things that, that you just can't ignore uh, when you read the Bible. And uh, I guess because I was seeking, you know, uh, I found it and God, God laid it out before me and, and, and it totally changed my life. Awesome. Thanks Thank, a lot. Thanks for your call out from Michigan. We really appreciate it. Listen, these, uh, these gentlemen are going to sing another wonderful song. I love it. What do you call it? Seven Woes? Seven Woes. Seven Woes. They're yeah. also going to remember they're going to be at Burning Heart this Saturday, September 5th, Sugar House Park from 5 to 8 p.m. After that, we'll take a couple calls more, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. So let's hear again from Adams Road. <laughs> Walk around in your designer suit, reveling and being seen by men. You take the best seats at conference. People rise when you enter the room. Devouring poets in come while you're sitting on all of your wealth. Rating church on corporations for your multi-million dollars for a pretense you make like the arrogant friends. You exalt yourself and one day you'll be humble. Oh, 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 to you, hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in man's faces. Carry them with one finger, for you preach but do not practice what you require to pass your sacrament. White shirts and ties and clean shaven, with your standards of dress and grooming, you wouldn't even allow Jesus himself to serve his bread and wine. With the Feeding them with leaven bread and 
offer them damnation, woe cries feeds with salvation. That's a standing ovation for me. That is awesome. Awesome. I love it. Touches my heart deeply. Um, we have three minutes left. We've got a number of phone calls. I'm going to go really quickly and see if we can fit a couple in. Ryan from Kaysville, you're on Heart of the Matter, Ryan. All right. Awesome. You got to be quick, How's my brother. Going, Adams Road? You guys doing good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. He's a friend for yeah, Called uh, to uh, ask a question, and uh, what Joe, my friend, taught me from high school was that uh, uh, what should be the keystone to our lives should be uh, Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be uh, the Book of Mormon, although the Book of Mormon is keystone to our religion. It should be Jesus Christ, and that's who our closest friends should be. Our closest friends should be those who have Jesus Christ as their best friend, and. So ultimately what Joe taught me was that there's a difference between church-centeredness and Christ-centeredness. So that's my question to you, is what you would say. I think that's something that the audience would need to hear. What would you say is the difference between church-centeredness and Christ-centeredness? Did you get that? Uh, pretty much. There's a lot of background, but are you asking me or are you asking Adam's Yeah, Rome? I'm on the bus. <laughs> I'm on the bus. On the bus? Did you get that? Yeah, who are you asking the question to? Uh, well, uh, you, all you guys, oh. whoever you want to answer the question. Well, to me, uh, religion, organized religion is a tool. It's something that humans do. We gather together, and to me, it's, uh, it's relationship over religion in every way, every way. So to me, there's no, I, I don't even consider it. I mean, you can have a relationship, man reading his Bible, who can't get to a church. You guys, anybody quickly... Uh, Another any thoughts? Five seconds, and we're okay on it. I mean, yeah. yeah, religion versus relationship. There's no contest. Relationship. Listen to Jesus. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Uh, we have Nicole in Kaysville. We have the lines are full. I'm really sorry. Adams Road draws a crowd. We hope that you will join us on Saturday night, uh, five to eight p.m. Sugar House Park, September 5th. This coming Saturday, they're going to do uh, worship along with Jeremiah's Fire. We're going to have great time. But the whole purpose is Big Tent Revival. Bring your family, bring your friends, and let them hear this uh, music. Let the Spirit of God touch them. Now, uh, I know there's a uh, full-screen ad or something that we want to show about Adam's Road. Can we bring that up quickly? This is their new album. It's called Band of Prophets, Adam's Road. And uh, you guys tell, what, what are you going to do with this CD uh, when it comes out? If you come to Burning Heart, what are you doing? Go ahead and talk over it. Well, we're just, uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians 9.18, Paul says, What is my reward that I can preach the gospel free of charge? So one thing we do as a ministry is we give away our CD uh, for free, you know, because the Word of God should not be charged to have. So um, I guess uh, if you go to Adams, uh, or if you write us at adams.road at gmail.com, we will send you a free copy of the CD. As long as we're able to do that, we will continue to do that as a ministry. 
And with that, we're going to wrap up tonight's show. We appreciate you coming. We hope you'll join us at Sugar House Park this Saturday for Burning Heart 09, the Big Tent Revival. Until then, we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.